1: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. I pledge
2: allegiance, I pledge allegiance to, my black to my Black people. I pledge to develop my mind and body to the greatest extent possible. possible.
1: possible. That's sound from the new biopic crime drama Judas and the Black Messiah about the betrayal of Black Panther leader Fred Hampton. Over the weekend, Daniel Kaluuya, the actor who played Fred Hampton and is well known for his role in the 2017 film Get Out, he took home the Golden Globe for best actor in a supporting role.
2: I hope generations after this can see how brilliant he thought, how brilliantly he spoke, and how brilliantly he loved. And he taught me about myself and made me grow as a man, and I appreciate it with all my heart. There's a lot of information about how he died, but I hope you people out there will grow and learn about how incredibly he lived.
1: So how well did the movie capture Fred Hampton and the Illinois Black Panther Party experience? And what was missing or in need of more emphasis about Hampton's life? Well, joining us now to discuss is author, historian, and Chicago native Jacoby Williams. His book is titled From the Bullet to the Ballot, the Illinois Chapter of the Black Panther Party and Racial Coalition Politics in Chicago. He's also the Ruth N. Halls Distinguished Professor at Indiana University Bloomington. Professor Williams, welcome to Reset.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: You have been a scholar of Fred Hampton and the Black Panther Party for over 20 years, and now you've watched the film, Judas and the Black Messiah. What are your first thoughts of the movie?
2: Let me first begin by saying I do not endorse or promote the film as a definitive history of Fred Hampton. I suggest folks watch The Murder of Fred Hampton and or read my books. Uh, the Murder of Fred Hampton actually can be found on YouTube. This is a movie about William O'Neill and O'Neill's ordeal, with his portrayal of Fred Hampton's assassination. So there's some positives, there's some pros and cons, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I suggest that folks look elsewhere to get a real history of the history of Fred Hampton.
1: Well, we'll get more into that in just a moment. But am I correct in saying that your book was actually used as a source for Warner Studios in, in making this film? Yes.
2: Yeah, so Shaka King, the, one of the scriptwriters, uh, relied heavily upon my book for the film. So it's test twenty two for me I can't tell people the movie is trash, otherwise we call them our work trash, but there are some Michigan leading episodes, so when a movie states that uh it's based on true events, mm-hmm. it, it gives the facade that everything that folks are watching in the film may be true, and that's the danger about Hollywood films regarding historical icons.
1: So the movie is being characterized, you know, to be clear, as this biopic of Fred Hampton. And it certainly does cover the story around his death. And I think you agree with that. But how much would you say, Professor, that it spends on his life, in your opinion?
2: Well, it touches on some key components and highlights of his charisma, his oratory skills, his theoretical philosophy, the ways in which he's a great community organizer and motivator, Those things come through in the film quite starkly, but I would not classify it as a biopic of his history or of his his life. It is a documentation of his murder. It does that quite effectively. But Fred Hampton was more than just his murder.
1: And to your point earlier, you mentioned William O'Neill. The movie does put a lot of focus on Will O'Neill. They refer to him as Bill throughout the film, the FBI agent who infiltrated the Black Panther Party and gave the FBI, the floor plan of Fred Hampton's apartment. Arguably, he he was the main character. What did you think of the portrayal?
2: he, He was the best actor in this film, as far as I'm concerned. He played William O'Neill to a T. But this film is a film about William O'Neill. It is not a film about Fred Hampton. I want to emphasize that. William O'Neill is not a sympathetic figure. He was a willing participant who was not apologetic about his role. He was not an informant. He's actually an infiltrator, and he did his role quite well. He produced over a 4,000-page volume for the FBI just on Fred Hampton alone. What do you you mean he
1: wasn't an informant?
2: So an informant is someone who snitches, right? You can be an anonymous informant. You can just provide information. An infiltrator is someone who, like an overcutter police officer, you infiltrate the organization, try to get higher up to the rank as you can, which he did. and became Fred Hampton's head of security. He went everywhere Fred Hampton. That's what an infiltrator does. So, no, he is not a sympathetic figure. He is a willing participant that takes on a whole different kind of connotation. So, no, this is why I do not endorse or promote this film. It is a film about William O'Neill. This is not a film about Fred Hampton.
1: Clearly, I aren't so pleased with some of the historical portrayals in the film. And I'm thinking, you know, as the studied historian that you are, Professor, you, of course, would have spotted more inaccuracies in, in this film than we probably have time to dig into today. But can you, for the purposes of, of this conversation, give us you know, one or two others that really stood out to you? Like if, if someone was looking to learn more about Hampton and the Black Panthers in Illinois and they watched this movie, what misconceptions are you saying that they're going to walk away with?
2: Well, many of the misconceptions is they are in some ways still relegated as a violent, prone organization. The movie does a great job, especially in the beginning allowing the Panthers to speak for themselves, document their history, their intentions, their purpose. They're not a terrorist organization. So that's great about the film, and I appreciate that. However, many misconceptions in the film are the ways in which security, weeding out processes, there's very little mention of Mary Daly and Chicago politics, the Chicago political machine. The Rainbow Coalition is skated over, which is one of the main reasons Fred Hampton is targeted for assassination. And that coalition is primarily concerned about the Daily Democratic machine more so than it is about a revolution. They are dealing with their, their communities, their neighborhoods, Chicago city neighborhoods. And then the people who actually murder him. Yes, there's enough credence and correction there regarding the role of the FBI, but it is the Chicago police and the Taylor administration that actually murders them. Mm. And that is nowhere in the film. So it's not enough information given to the history of Chicago, Chicago repression, police brutality, some of the reasons the Panthers actually formed in the city of Chicago.
1: You say there was too much gun violence in the film. What do you think is the impact of that?
2: Well, it <laughs> it makes... My work a little bit more challenging, one who as many Panther scholars have written over fifty seven books on this subject, taught a class on I'm teaching the class today actually, on the Black Panther Party for over twenty years. I mean much of our work has dispel those misconceptions of the focus on the gun. But it's Hollywood, so that's what sells pictures. You have to have some of those representations in there. It did do a good job of the movie that is, portraying the role of the violence on behalf of the state. So that comes through quite starkly. But the idea that the Panthers were (laughs) not just heavily armed but focused mostly on the gun is misleading. The Panthers were dubbed the greatest internal threat to security of the nation because of their community service programs, the self-determination, socialist policies, and the ways in which they were able to train others regardless of race or how to be self-sufficient. That's what made them the threat to the internal security. But the film, it looks like it's these gun-toting, violent-prone, hyper-militant individuals.
1: Yeah, and something else that you say that the film got right, I I was reading an article that you wrote recently for Time magazine, and you said it was a a quick glimpse that it gave us of the Panther Party's community health work and a free ambulance service that it once provided. Can you tell us more about that?
2: Well, that's not in the film. Uh, Most of those efforts came to fruition, unfortunately, after Frank Hampton was assassinated. But the works of that is taking place prior to his death. And so the Panthers, again, this is what they're best known for. This is what they are so critical in terms of civil rights, black power, human rights at that period. Is taking the profit out of the human conditions that, and necessities that most humans need, most individuals need it. And so, they, yes, they had a free health clinic. They were doing sickle cell testing, free breakfast in schools, free bus in the prison program, free legal aid clinics. Uh, Most of their attorneys were represented most of the time for free of charge. They have all these various ways. But the the medical clinic is important because it distinguishes Chicago as a major hub in terms of health disparities. And these clinics were run by the Cook County Health Commissioner Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, Quentin Young, which is unprecedented in any other city. And so the ways in which Chicago politics and the Panthers are merged don't come to fruition in this film. So that clinic, their free breakfast programs, and many other services are important to why the coalition works. It's easy to say we should all get together because we're poor. But no, the Panthers have programs, and those programs are what worked, and those programs were introduced those organizations to the party. So the party helped poor whites and Latinos and others set up free clinics, set up free breakfast programs, and those programs are what make the coalition work.
1: I want to turn now to focus on Fred Hampton's life specifically. What is one of your favorite things that you've ever learned about Hampton and and who he was? Talk about who he was as a person.
2: Well, Fred Hampton is a upper-middle-class kid from Maywood. Most people make the mistake of referring him as a Chicagoan. He's actually from Maywood, which is a suburb on the west side of Chicago. And His parents are both foremen at the factory in which they work, and he is very much astute in not only his educational powers, but his organizing principles. He was a member uh, or president, I should say, of the NAACP Youth Council prior to being recruited into the organization, and he led many civil rights and organizational activist campaigns in Maywood to desegregate public spaces, to deal with racial strife within the school system, he challenged the city council a number of times, successfully in one. So he had a history of activism and successful activism within his own municipality of Maywood prior to joining the party. And once he joined the party, he brought those skills to the fore. He continued to advocate on behalf of integrating public spaces in some of those areas as well. And he was a great orator, the way in which he was able to speak to people in the tradition of not just Malcolm X, but also Martin Luther King. So most people do not usually equate King to the Panthers or King to Fred Hampton. Mm -hmm. But many of Fred Hampton's most famous quotes are plagiarized right out of Martin Luther King's speeches in sermons. So he may use Malcolm X's delivery, even Malcolm X's ideology in terms of self-defense, but much of his prophetic oratory skills are by studying and even emulating and plagiarizing many of Martin Luther King's own speeches and words.
1: Yeah, that's actually an aspect that gets overlooked, I would say, that, you know, he was a part of the Black Panther Party, but he was very much a student of Martin Luther King Jr.,
2: right? He was. Not just he, but most People in the period, particularly Panthers, they studied King, they appreciated King. But King came to the fore as a democratic socialist, as an anti-capitalist in his later years. We, as scholars, argue that's what really led to his assassination, when he began to switch from civil rights to focus on human rights and became as anti-capitalist, and that was as a result of the student activism of those in the South who were organizing and working with King, like Student Eyebride Coordinating Committee and others. So they've kind of forced King in that direction to really do some self-criticism, self-evaluation. So his his speeches addresses those issues. And this is why Fred Hampton and others begin to emulate him, at least in the ways in which they present their oratory tools. People forget that King has a PhD. He knows how to articulate and analyze those critical conditions in a way that's quite different from others. And so that's why the Panthers, particularly Fred, will emulate him to reach the masses, and, and copy some of his rhetoric, copy some of his speeches, and use the delivery to make it plain. So Malcolm X would say, just make it plain for the people and bring folks into the fold. So he was a great organizer, a great motivator. Most people who join the party join because they've heard Fred speak somewhere, or he reached them in their spirit or in their in their soul in some particular way, by the way, in which you really focus on the individual. Yeah. So he was fantastic at
1: that. Now, you've taught a course on the Black Panther Party now for over 20 years. You've been tapped to even help build a, a wider pedagogy for schools to teach about Black Panthers and, and Fred Hampton. How important would you say it is that young people know about Fred Hampton's life and who he was?
2: It's extremely important, especially for African American students, or all students, I should say, in Chicago. So I've made a concerted effort to dedicate much of my scholarship to focusing on K-12 through education as well. So the American National Biography, for example, is in every public library but every school library. So I've made a concerted effort to make sure Fred Hampton is included in that. And then I work with teachers. Even in Chicago, a couple of public schools in a number of ways, workshops or pedagogical workshops on how to teach hard history, how to teach this particular history, how to teach Fred Hampton. Much of this is sponsored by the Southern Poverty Law Center, Run by folks like Hassan Jeffries, colleagues at Ohio State, other Panther scholars who've led these charges, and Chicago Public Schools just last week, last Tuesday. I spoke to over 2,000 teachers and students about the importance and history of Fred Hampton, so those folks can see how this 19-year-old who was killed when he was 21 years old took his life into his own hands mm-hmm. and the ways in which the Panthers, whose average age was an organization was about 19, college kids and high school students, were able to apply the law from the local municipalities all the way up to the federal constitution to apply it in a way to solve their own issues. And yeah. so the Panthers will say, how do you put that theory into practice? So the Panthers focus mostly on education. So I want students to know that, that education is the equalizer. Education can change your lives. And here's Fred Hampton, someone who was highly educated mm-hmm. and the way in which he was able to use that education to change, not only his life, but still have an impact today. And much of that is impacted others in terms of political policy and political careers. And so, hell, Washington, even Barack Obama, owed many of their successes to the organizing and educational prowess of Fred Hampton.
1: And someone who was remarkably only 21 when he died, Professor. You know, it seems like he lived life so courageously. I'm wondering how he influenced your life personally.
2: Well, I'm very biased there. As an individual who is from Inglewood, born and raised, a proud son of Inglewood, been on my own since I was 13, I'm not supposed to be where I am. Many of my peers aren't. Many of them are dead or in jail or coming home from prison. But we were quite young, and many of them received those long sentences. And I want to emphasize that I'm no different from them. I ran those same streets, did the same game, banging, you do what you have to do to survive and those economic disparities that we we had, we were succumbed to in those periods. But education was the equalizer. So the only difference between me and those individuals is I stayed in school. And the two martyrs that were instilled in me by my family, by my elders, by my teachers was one, Emmett Till, yeah. and then Fred Hampton. And the ways in which learning about those Chicago martyrs should give me the the impulses is to do better, to strive higher, to try to achieve what they were sort short of, of actually achieving. And I use that as a moniker. And in fact, I, I instill it in my own tears. I named my son after Fred Hampton. So I'm very biased when it comes to oh, Fred wow. Hampton. Uh,
1: briefly, before we let you go, Professor, you know, for listeners who want to learn more about Fred Hampton's life, where would you point them? What are, what are some of your most trusted or, or valued resources? I know you mentioned one right off the top. Where else?
2: The most trusted resource, if you want the history of Fred Hampton as an organizer and the way in which he was involved in the party, please watch the documentary from 1970, The Murder of Fred Hampton. Even Roger Ebert dubbed it one of the best films of the period. In terms of his legacy, there's a number of books you can use. Of course, I'm going to promote mine because my book was written in the spirit of telling the life of Fred Hampton before and after his death. What the film only does is just gives you his murder, but he has a legacy there, and that legacy extends to political careers it transforms political policies. Many of the people in those Rainbow Coalition run for office, and so I would still people there as well. And I would also ask people if they're interested in, in learning about the Rainbow Coalition. I'm writing a book on that now, but there's other books. Hillbitty Nationalism is one. Hyde Thurman, who was a member of the Young Patriots, has recently written a book as well. You can learn more about the Rainbow Coalition from that aspect as well. And then if you are all interested, interested in the 13-year subsequent court trials of the period than read The Assassination of Fred Hampton by Jeff Hawks. So I always point students the books. Don't rely on Hollywood. Don't rely on movies. Go to the source. Go to those books. But if you have to watch a film, please watch The Murder of Fred Hampton.
1: That is Chicago native Jacoby Williams, Ruth N. Hall's distinguished professor at Indiana University, Bloomington, author of From the Bullet to the Ballot, the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party and racial coalition politics in Chicago. Professor, thank you so much for breaking that down for us.
2: Thank you for your time.
1: And that's today's Reset. Make sure you're here with us on Fridays for our weekly news roundup and on Sundays when Dr. Mia Taramina answers listener questions and updates us on the latest science around the pandemic. And, of course, every other day we bring you great conversations around the news, arts, and culture of Chicago and beyond. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening, and we'll meet again tomorrow.